Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. I've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight down the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au, or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO Radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. Or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family, and that would help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by Brunton, and Brunton's had some pretty weird activity on his farm down in New South Wales. Brunton, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kate. It's great to have you on, mate, because the email that you sent me through is really, really intriguing, and I don't want to take the story away from you, but... Are you able to walk us through these weird activities that you've noticed on your farm? Yeah, pretty much. Um, look, um, the farm is only about oh, 10 acres. Um, it backs onto uh, like bushland. It was a bush block when we first moved here and bought it. Uh, I've cleared probably a couple of acres, and it backs onto um, a reserve, a nature reserve, and, and a natural park. It's got a little creek running through it, which is sort of runs with water every now and again. Um, a couple of water holes with yabbies in them, but it's 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 nothing um, much more than a sort of a dry, wet sclerophyll forest, sort of semi-rainforest area. Um, yeah, and um, there's a couple of strange occurrences that happened over the years, and it all started in about... Uh, 1998 was the first incident when um, I had went for a walk with my two daughters um, they were aged about uh, let's say three and one around about that age group and um, we were just walking along the edge of the forest which sort of we're cleared to there's a little trail I'd made <clears throat> and I'm walking along there with them and um I came across 
uh, a carcass laying down. What, what, what looked like a, a live kangaroo was laying down, sunning itself. Anyway, I, I shushed the girls and I, I crept up on it and to my amazement, it was it was a, a dead kangaroo. It, it was without a head. Its, its head was missing and um, that threw me for six. Anyway, I went up to it, um, right up to it and I felt it and it was still warm. Sort of, that got me thinking, gee, what's happened here? And I turned it over, um, and it was still quite supple or, or um, soft, it had, like rigor mortis hadn't set in. And usually that sort of sets in like, after about three or four hours, you know. Um, the animal goes stiff, and this still quite flaccid, you know. And um, there was no blood, which was another thing I noticed. There was not a drop of blood anywhere to be seen. So its head was missing and there's not a yeah. drop of blood around? No, no. So it had probably lost its head after it had died. Now, I don't know how it died, but probably having its head missing it would have <laughs> would have been a, a good reason. Now, that the <laughs> I looked where the, the head should be on the carcass and it sort of um, looked like it had been torn off. There were no cut marks like with a sharp knife. Didn't seem to be any bullet wounds or, you know, arrow wounds on it. So it hadn't been shot unless it was shot in the head. And I looked around for the head. I sort of, the girls were complaining, going, yuck, and, and I just, just stayed there, just stayed there. And I looked around like within about a 10 metre radius, you know, even went into the forest a little bit, looked around, couldn't find the head. And that sort of put the wind up me. And I thought, well, this animal's been killed in the last few hours. Uh, and by the way, that was about 10.30 in the morning, say, you know, 11 o'clock, 10.30 in the morning. And it sort of... I tried to sort of reason how this could possibly happen, you know. Now, there is a... There is a bloke who shoots roos, um, but he's he's like about a kilometre away, and he's on a, on the 250 acre block at the back on the on our uh, western boundary. And it's, I didn't hear any gunshots that morning, none. So unless you use a silencer, <laughs> but uh, I di- didn't. I just it just flummoxed me, you know. I just totally lost. I tried to reason how this could possibly happen. Anyway, like being science-trained, I thought, oh, gee, try to happen. And I thought, oh, maybe maybe someone killed it and dumped it here. But I, that didn't make any sense. Maybe wild dogs, you know, because we do, you know, have seen dingoes and wild dogs around here. Um, but why would wild dogs just take the head, you know? what You'd see bite marks and sort of blood, you know? Um, and you would you would probably see evidence of a bit of a struggle as well because yeah, the, like there's no fur, you know, there's nothing. It's just just the, just the carcass just lying there, and um, put the wind up me. I'm telling you, and um, I thought someone's been on my property. That's what I thought first. Like someone's and dumped this here. Might have, might have suddenly come and dumped it here, but like. 
we're, we're on the end of a dead-end street here. It's a dead-end. There's no-one on the other side of that. It's just bush for, for a kilometre, you know, for the next homestead. It's all farmhouse. And he's an old guy. He's a real old guy. He's a retired... He'd be in his 80s, and uh, it wouldn't have been him. And I'm just going, well, how the hell did this happen? Maybe it was running and it hit a fence, and then I thought, how far does it... Because I have got a barbed wire fence that's on the edge of the property, on, that's about 200 metres from this carcass. And I'm thinking, how does a kangaroo run without a head for 200 metres? Yeah, know, like it, that, it doesn't make sense, you know, does but, it? No, it just didn't add up. Anyway, I, I was totally flummoxed by it, and I asked, I asked this old fella. He's a he's an old retired um, logger. You know, his, his parents were also timber men, you know, sleeper cutters in the old days. And he said to me, it's probably the hairy man. And I just thought, what? You know, um, he said, it's probably a gift or a, um, what was the word he used? A present or a gift to you. And I said, come again, what What are you saying? Um, yeah, you know, yowie. Anyway, um, this had come from... Uh, his, this guy's in his 90s. He's an old fella, really old. And um, that was his summation. And anyway, I I didn't sort of believe that at the time, but I couldn't explain it any rationally, any other way. You know, that it just... It, I couldn't explain it. Anyway, um, that was like the first instance. And... That just, by the way, um, that happened when we just lost our dogs. We'd lost, we had two dogs when we first moved here in 1995. And this happened in 1998. Now, we had dogs for the first couple of years. And for those first three years, I had, there was no inkling or no, no strange phenomenon happening. Nothing. While we had dogs here. So this is in a period when we didn't have dogs. Now, the next incident happened a few years later. I was on the western boundary of the fence line going on, on towards the south, and right on the corner, there's some good bush rock, and I was picking up the bush rock because they've made lots of walls here and retaining walls and bush rock and gardens and rockeries. And I was bent over sort of pulling out pieces of bush rock from... You know, a scrub just laying them there on the foot. This almighty thud behind me, like someone had lifted a huge boulder and thrown it into the ground. That's the sort of thud it felt like, like a, a um a, a thump, you know, like and and you could feel I could feel it through my feet. I swung around, like expecting to see a, a giant. You know, six, seven foot buck, grey kangaroo. You know, because they do that sometimes. Um, they stamp, stamp, stamp their feet as a warning. You know, because I used to shoot when I was younger. I used to go out shooting. Um, me and my mate used to always go out, and sometimes you come across big bucks, and you could always tell that they slap the ground with their big feet, and it warns the other does, and or it's just a warning. 
And I thought it might have been that. When I turned around, no, not nothing. Nothing to be seen. And my hair, st- <laughs> you know when your hair stands up in the back of your head? It, it sent the wind up me again, and I just thought, what the hell? Anyway, part of my brain says, oh, come on, there's a rational reason for this. It's probably um, a, a big bough has fallen down off a tree. Right? Now, this sounded like it came from behind me. This all felt like it came from behind me. There was no big rock behind me, like no big rock had fallen been thrust into the ground, like dropped from a height. There was just bare ground. It's a fire trail, right? And I looked in every direction. There was nothing moving. There's a few trees, a few, few thin trees there, and I thought, well, okay, let's look around for a fallen branch. So I'm scouring around, just like I did for the head for the kangaroo. I went in like a 20-metre radius looking for this <laughs> supposed big bough that had fallen down. There's nothing... To, to match start with the, the, that thump that I heard. And, was and I, there, can't, I could not explain it. Was just, there trees just, around you? Like bigger, taller trees that perhaps something could have been in? Well, not real big, tall trees, no. There was a few that are further off. and But this sounded, look, Kate, it sounded like it was right behind me or within a few metres of me, and that was such a loud thump. It, it sent a bit, it sent, it sent shivers up me like it, like it was quite a powerful thump, you know, a thud more than anything. And I, you know, I've heard tree branches fall. Don't get me wrong, you know, we've had lots, of, we've got lots of trees here, lots, big ones too, some big grey gums and you know, spotted gums and tallow woods and you name it, iron bark. And when they drop, you usually hear a crackling, a cracking, and then you hear it, you know, some brush scraping, and then you hear this thud. You know, it's a big bow. But there was no big bows. Like, I, I went in like a 20-metre radius. Seriously, all around looking for it. Not not a, not anything that could come near it, you know? What could make a thud like that? Yeah, that's odd, isn't it? Well, yeah, it was odd, all right. It, it, it put the wind up me, and I just quickly departed. I didn't hang around. I just thought, this is, this is unbelievable. You know, and I came home and I told the wife, and she said, "Oh, maybe it was an earthquake." And I said, "No, not an earthquake. Did you feel anything? You know, did you like? I, I remember the Newcastle like I was doing a landscaping job at the time, and I remember as soon as that happened, everyone in the in the street came out and said, "What the hell was that?" And that, and that was in Sydney, not in Newcastle. We were I was working at Sinclair at the time, you know, and my wife's here at home at the time, and. I'm about probably two, three hundred metres from the house in the far corner of the of the property, and she didn't feel anything. No one said anything. That had to be it, that had to be really isolated and close to you. Yeah, it is. It's sort of that's what I mean. And so when I turned around, I expected to see something. I expected to see a big rock, you know, thrown into the ground. I thought, you know. Sort of nanomite or my, uh, my son or was playing a practical joke on me and I crept up behind me, but there was there was nothing, no one to be seen, nothing to be seen, and that it just sort of made me feel it's a weird thing because how do you explain that? How, how do you 
wrap your head around that. You, you, you can't. You can. You can only really speculate, really, because you know you have to. You have to wonder, like, was something throwing big, heavy objects at you from a from a large distance? And if that is the case, what's powerful enough to do that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't go much further. Like, once it gets off my boundary, it then drops down to the dry creek. The, the creek it is dry. It's sort of pretty steep. Um, but that's that's probably a good fifty meters, you know, away. And I, this sounded like right, right behind me. You know, a big thud. Anyway, um, that was the second incident. Um, there's been other instances when, you know, I've got a chainsaw and I'll go down to the woods, the forest, to, to cut a bit of timber. And um, you get to a spot and you, uh, you smell. And I used to tell the wife, I said, well, it smells like swamp gas, you know, it stinks. It smells like a wet dog and like LPG gas, you know, someone's let the gas out of a bottle. Uh, I, well, I said, you know, I said, come back and tell her, you know, and, and she goes, oh, maybe it's, maybe we've got. A, a leak. Maybe we're sitting on a gas field, and I said, "Oh, come off it." She said, "No." I said, "No." But it'd be in that one area of the forest, right? And you go there the next day; it's not there, right? Or you go to a different part, like you go to the, so that's in the eastern part of our property. So towards that's going towards the road, right? Um, which is dead end, the dead end part of the street, where it's just a big circle turnaround. And then if I go to the uh, northern end of the property, I'd smell it over there. And that's not in, even in the low-lying area, you know, is where the water holes is. is sort of a, it's on a bit of a slope. And then other times I go up the back of the property, near where I've got that bush rock, and they'd be there. And I, I think, what the hell? What is this smell? And it would linger for a while, and then it'd go away. And I just think, and I come back each time I tell the wife, I say, hey, you know, there's that smell again. And, you know, after a while, she said, what does it smell like? I said, well, it's, a, it's like someone's let the gas out of a gas bottle and it smells a bit, because, you know, we have barbecue gas bottles here. And, um, but it's got it like a dead, uh, not a dead animal smell, but it's like a wet dog smell. You know, and um, I just thought, ah. Uh, Maybe it's a dead animal, you know. So I'd, I'd look, scout around, because you're down there. Firewood up, so it might be a dead possum or a bandicoot, or a, you don't know, you know. And so you scout, you can't find anything. You think, oh well, but it 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 dissipate, go away. So it's not a dead animal. It's it's not there the next day. It'd get worse, wouldn't it? If you go down the next day, it'd chop more wood in the same area. Well, yeah, that's it. And you wouldn't be finding the same smell all over the place. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com also are you wanting more content why not become a believe plus member 
You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Exactly. Yeah, so that was uh, um, another strange occurrence. But um, the one that the one that sort of tipped me over the edge was um, probably happened a couple of years ago now. But it was I know it was we went into town. Um, I think it was for Christmas carols. Yeah, it was. It was for Christmas carols. We came back, and uh, my son, he's now he's, he's like in his twenties now. At the time, I said to him. Look, before you go to bed, mate, can you just make sure you lock the chooks up, you know, in the chook pen? Because, you know, we do get foxes and around here and, and wild dogs, but I said, just make sure that they're locked up in their pen because it's, it's got wire on the top and all around it and it's, you know, fox-proof. And anyway, he 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 did, you know, but I but when I, we got home, he was asleep. And rather than waking, I was just climbing in the bed with the wife and she said, you better check the Taranas to lock the chooks up. And I went, oh, gosh. Right so he'd been asleep for an hour. We got back pretty late from Carol's. Anyway, I I just, I think I was sort of, I only had my, my uh, shorts on and I thought, I'll go out the kitchen, didn't turn any lights on, I grabbed a um, little head torch. It's sort of like an elastic bean around. It's got a little torch on your forehead, you know? I don't know if you know the ones. Yeah, I know the ones, this yeah. this one was... Yeah, it's... I use it when I used to go fishing, you know? It's... But this one was an old one, and it only had that yellow... It wasn't the really bright LED ones. It was just a little... This sweet little yellow one. Anyway, I hadn't turned any lights on. I opened the back door, and as soon as I opened the back door, I turned, like, to turn to go down the stairs. Like, it was about five steps to go down off the back veranda there's these pair of eyes and they were huge huge eyes glowing sort of bright yellow I'd never never seen any eyes like it they were just huge far apart and they were about eight feet off the ground and I just froze I just froze and um you know, when you you get that feeling of your hair going up the back of your neck. I'm getting it right now, mate. <laughs> oh, oh, anyway, this thing just, um, it didn't, it just stood there looking at me for like probably one or two seconds. And then it turned to the left. It looked to the left. It looked to the right. And then it just went, whoosh, gone. And I, my ears, uh, I got pretty good hearing and I just, listened and I didn't hear you know I went if it, it was if it was a horse or a cow you'd hear it I didn't hear a damn thing really I just saw these two glowing eyes yeah and, and it's sort of like between there's two trees they're not real big trees but they're there's two trees they're probably about um, 15 to 20 meters apart I don't know the area it's sort of near the it's sort of probably 15 to 20 metres from the bananas and, and, and probably 10 metres from the orange trees. 
And I was standing there and <laughs> I couldn't see the, the outline, could not see it at all. So it was, it was from memory's sake, it wasn't a, um, a moonlit night. It was quite dark out there. It was probably a, a new moon or the moon had risen, I don't know, but I just couldn't see any outline or silhouette of, the, of the, this creature. All I could see were these almost glowing eyes, like almost as though they were um, like two, <laughs> two headlights. Anyway, up, in the, up, up eight feet off the ground. Anyway, it, it, whatever it was, it took off so fast. And it was um, uh, no noise. There was no, I didn't hear any thumping, like running noise. I didn't hear, which you would expect. Um, you know, I had a had a boat that came out here and he said, maybe it was an owl. And I said, well, if it was an owl, when it turned its head to the left and it turned to the right, it's got a flat face too, you know, because, you know, like if it was, um, if it was a horse, say, right? If it was a horse, the horse has got a long face, you know, and the eyes are more to the side of the head. Well, when this thing turned to the left and then to the right, I could sort of see the eyes, both the eyes, you know? Yeah. But this this thing was so far off the ground, and there's no tree between those two trees. There's no tree. No, it's just bare ground. It's just grassed. It's a grassed area. And because um, another layer that land here pretty well, and it and these eyes were like eight feet from the ground at least, and it it put put the wind up me, and and I I stood there frozen. I, I just. And my jaw must have been open, and it took off. Right now, when it took off, I stood there for like uh, probably thirty seconds. My heart was pounding, and I thought, oh, okay. and then I decided to go down. And I was very careful, looking at the side, and I went over to the chook pen. And <laughs> the chook door is actually locked, so Karen and my son had actually <laughs> already locked it. I didn't even have to go out, but that was that was the turning point for me. It was a tipping point where I just thought these things exist. Oh, that's well, because what else? What what a strange creature has bright yellow, glowing eyes. Is eight feet. He's got a flat face and is eight feet off the ground. It, well, probably taller. You know, top of the head had been. You know, just. Just flummoxed me anyway. Um, yeah, so that was the tipping point. And there was an incident not long because uh, I told my um, wife and she sort of, she looked at me like, a, you know, hmm, you know. But she, I think she believed me. <laughs> I think she did. I hope she did. <laughs> um, uh, I told my son and he just laughed. He said, oh, yeah, that right, right. Probably a, probably a, a cow. I said, well, this is, if this is a cow, mate, it was standing on its back legs because it was so high off the ground. It was, you know, it, was a black, it must have been a black Angus bull doing, doing ballet. I said, this thing was just... And, you know, there was no sound. And I went down there, there were no actual... Um, there's no hoof prints if it was, if it was a, a big cow. Like when... No, the septic tank isn't far away either. And, you know, when cows... We've had cows come through here when the fences have been down, bushfires all through uh, storms, 
the bloke with the 250-acre block, his cows do get in here, and they leave. They make a mess, you know, and you can see their hoof prints and the soft, the soft um, around the septic. Yeah, they'll but tear thing, it up. Yeah, they just muddy it up. And I just thought, no. I went down, I looked everywhere, and there's nothing there. And so that was the next morning. <laughs> but uh, I looked everywhere the next morning in full light. But uh, I just, you know, yeah, just scratching my head. Anyway, about, <clears throat> like, my, I got, like I said, two daughters, and they, they sort of thought I was a mad, you know, bit mad thinking, believe in these things after. Oh. And then one of the daughters was here. We'd gone to out to a restaurant, I believe, yeah. But not long after I saw this thing, and, and her boyfriend was here with, with her, right? They're, they're like in their 20s, right? And they were just minding the house here. We went, in, my wife and I went in town, go out to a restaurant. We came back and they'd locked the house. And I thought, oh, this is strange. Knocked on, you know, banged on the back door, let us in. And he then, he's a son-in-law now, he just told me this story, which <laughs> blew me away. What had happened, um, he and my daughter were, like I said, in the, in the kitchen area here. And the same back door window that I opened that um, when I stepped out to, and saw those pair of eyes, he, he went out the back door and he heard a growl and he said it was a really deep, loud growl, right? And it came from where, just near the orange trees, just in front of him, very close to the house. Now, we've got bananas and oranges there, right? a big couple of banana trees and oranges. And he said it was really close and it sat, he said it sounded like a really big dog. And he, because, you know, we do have a, a dog now, but we didn't have any dogs again. Well, it was that time, you know, we... And he went out there and... Um, oh, we do have a little little mutt, but he's about... He's one of those little dashhound, uh, short-legged thing. He's, he's, he's only tiny. Anyway, he went out outside uh, this son-in-law and he heard this deep growl and he thought oh my god what is that sounds like a big dog and he walked over to the end of the, the veranda and he said it then growled so loud and so deep it shook his chest oh wow now yeah and he just he just tailed just went straight inside he locked Shut the back door, locked it, locked it, and he turned to his to my my daughter. He said, "Did you hear that?" And she said, "Yes." You know, so she heard it too. They then locked the, all the house up, and they just waited. I think they turned every light on the house and just waited for us to get home. And, and um, when we got home, they just told us the story. And ah, oh, you know, he was he was, um, you know, he's not the sort of guy you could scare easy. You know. Um, He's of Aboriginal descent. He's um he's a, a local Dungari boy, and uh, he oh, he he won't stay here. <laughs> he, won't, <laughs> he won't stay here anymore. Uh, he also told us a story one night. He was in in um, one of the bedrooms here with with uh, uh, Alina, and my daughter. Sorry, you better edit that if you don't want the name. Um, 
with my daughter and um, he, um, they were laying in bed and they were looking out the window up towards the back, the western part of it, and they saw something moving through the bush and it was big, big and black. Oh, wow. Big, tall, black, yeah. And they, they figured he'd just make it out. And he's looking at it and uh, she's looking at it, but they're not saying anything to each other. They're just sort of looking at it. And then they turn to each other and they go, did you see that? And they go, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, did you see? Yeah. So they both saw it, which, um, you know, they don't, they will never stay here uh, alone again, you know? they It's okay, we're here, but they don't want to ever camp here or, or um, stay out here on, on their own. They don't like it. So, uh, which is, uh, you know, yeah. Any other, any other things are probably minor, but, uh, on this property uh, things like um, I was going I was taking uh, my eldest son and my eldest daughter for a bushwalk sort of like oh this is the first couple of years we're here yeah probably the first year we're here yeah first year we're here and I was just going I was going through this bracken ferns that as high as your waist and I just noticed some rocks stacked together and I just put it down to a what do you call a can, a can or a, a, a marker, survey marker. Now most survey marker pegs are usually white coast. They, you know, they they whack into the ground. This was just sort of a pile of rocks, about something about five rocks stacked one on top of the other. But it was in the middle of nowhere. You know, it was like in the middle of. You go down that steep bit. I was telling you that you go down to the creek. You come up the other side and you're going through this bracken fern and suddenly it's just not even a clearing. It was just, just these rocks there. And I just said, that's the strangest thing. Who would have put, who would have done that? And I tell you, there's no one goes, it's, it's like no man's land. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the back of, back of nowhere. And no one, there's no bush trails or, I was just bush bashing it with the, with the, the eldest two and trying to climb up the back of, um, Red Hill at the back of us but um, I didn't put anything down to it I just thought it was just someone many years ago I put these rocks there and they're still there but that's another thing that um, I just thought was strange that is odd it is odd because it's uh, the encounters that you've had around that property there Brunton Brunton, they are uh, they're fascinating and everything that you've said instantly makes me think that is 100% a Yowie that is roaming around your property right down to the the stacking of the rocks because I've heard so many reports about Yowies. Well, actually not Yowies, Sasquatch over in the States doing that type of thing. Yeah, well, I, you know, you got to be really careful. Like, I, I've seen a lot of tree breaks here, right? I have. And usually when I go to look at look at them, I said, oh, it's a diseased tree. It's, it's had boring in it, and it's, it's broken there. And um, we had a twister go through here a couple of years ago. Oh, sorry, well, it was 2010. We had a twister, like a, a tornado, like seriously. And we were the only people who got affected, really. It came down the, the mountain and went out towards the coast and we were the only house or homestead that, that got hit and um, we got 
uh, we lost a car. Well, the car had a tree fall on it. The, the, the garage had a big, giant telewood fall on it. The um, caravan had a tree fall on it. Um, the back of the house had trees fall all over it. And, um, you know, we lost 110 trees in the matter of, I'd say, 20 seconds. It came through here, and I've seen lots of trees, right, that, that have been twisted with the force of nature, you know. This, this, this twist that came through here is just unbelievable. It, uh, there's some trees there as thick as my body that have been twisted about, you know, just incredible force. And But I have seen trees down in the forest there, and you just can't... You look and think, how the, how the hell did that happen? Like... How did that get bent over like that? Or how did why is that broken there? And it's healthy, you know, it's not it's not diseased or it's not um hasn't been a storm and it wasn't there last week, it's just only happened. So, you know, when you in retrospect, when you look back and and this is over the oh, what twenty five years we've been here. You look back and you think yeah, yeah, that probably accounts for that. Yeah, yeah like, that probably explains it. Yeah. So you're saying <laughs> you've basically been having these Yahweh experiences for close to 25 years. Mm, mm. That's incredible. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, but I've, like, I've only ever spotted that one time. That the, the, I've only seen a pair of eyes. That, I didn't even see the silhouette of the damn thing. And that, that frustrated me, but... If only I had a big halogen torch on me at the time, it would have been great, but I, I only had a... Anyway, the... You know, I think you got to be... I don't know. I just... I, I don't know how a creature that big and that could even survive in the bush. Like, you go around the bush here, and you might be a good bush tucker man, you know? You might know what to... But I tell you, you'd be, you'd be going flat out trying to get yourself a feed. Oh, absolutely. And I know the Aboriginal and, people did it. It's just, it's just, you know, a creature like that would eat a lot, wouldn't it? Well, and that's it. To. That's it. And I was just about to say, it would be hard enough for an average size man to survive out in mm. the bush, let alone something that is eight foot tall and weighs God knows how how many kilos. It would be, yeah. it would, the amount of calories a creature that big would need to consume in a day would be astronomical. Exactly, you know, and you, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I know my bush tucker, and 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 my son-in-law, he's he's, well, he's done gutty, and they know he knows he's bush tucker, and and it's pretty sparse pickings, you know, and of course you could eat occasional. And I know the Aboriginal people did live in this area, you know, like go back 150 years, and they were roaming around here still, but they. It, you know, they um, probably hunted in in, in um, groups, um, and you know, shared the load, and there would have been. But the, you know, you walk through the wet sclerophyll forest here, and and there's not a lot of bush tucker. Like, right? there's not a lot of fruits and veggies. <laughs> Just isn't, and um, you know, uh, you'd have to be eating possums or or or. or you know, a fair bit of uh, meat as well, or eating leaves or or grasses. So they, these creatures must be omnivorous. But uh, 
you know, that, that's another thing I always wondered. How could anything survive in that bush that's that big and remain unseen? Like virtually, like for a quarter of a century we've been here and I've only had a, a fleeting glimpse of, and it was only of its, its eyes. <laughs> so, but it's all the other things added together, you know. It's, it's sort of, um, you know. Well, and that's it, you know, your your collections of, I guess, these little tiny encounters with this creature really does, you know, it, it does lead to this thing 100% being on that property. I I have absolutely no doubt. You know, the, the fact that it started off with you seeing uh, the kangaroo with its head ripped off. And yeah, one, one thing that uh, a lot of international listeners probably don't realize is Australia doesn't actually have any natural predators. It's, it's, there's nothing out there that does that. We don't have bears. Um, I guess you could say we, out, we, we'll, we have foxes out there. And depending on where you are in Australia, uh, you might have, you know, like a panther out there, you know, like a, a black cat or something like that. Because, yeah, you look, know, they're, they're yeah. kind of showing up around Australia here, there and everywhere. But it is very yeah. rare to have one of those on your property. Oh, yeah. Look, look, oh, when I was younger, I used to go pigging. And you know, uh, pig shooting, and um, you know, I used to go out fishing and western, all sorts of game. You know, goats used to shoot goats, and I used to shoot pigs and um, roos even when I was younger. I uh, gave that away, but the the thing is, there's nothing really dangerous. I mean, we've got snakes and spiders, yeah, you know, but I'm talking about a, a, an animal that could eat you, yeah. kill you, and eat you. And uh, you know, you, over in America, you got grizzlies, and you know, and over in um, Africa, you got lions, and in India, you got tigers. You know, we got we got jack. You know, the biggest, I mean, great kangaroo might, you know, a crocodile, but we don't get them here. I mean, crocodiles are further north. You know, saltwater crocs. That's your biggest worry. Yeah. I mean, a feral pig. I mean, it's introduced, and I might know like foxes, but you're not gonna. How many people get? You know, but this thing. This thing is huge, and to think that if it's out there, um, it must be a master of. Uh, it must be well camouflaged. It must be a master of, of, of hiding and in the shadows somewhere. Or you know, I don't know where it goes. It might go in a cave, or it might just go in the deep foliage or a dense, thick bush. And there's plenty of that around here. Look, I, I could, I could, if. I can walk from in a northwesterly direction from my house, right, for 120 kilometres, and I would not see another home. I could walk all the way to a place just out of Armidale called um, Hillgrove, and I've got it on Google Maps and I've traced it out. And you you would cross maybe a few dirt roads and fire trails, but you would not see another human being. If you walk in a dead straight line for 120 kilometres, yeah, that's a lot of open land, isn't it? Wilderness. Hmm? It's a lot of it's open huge. land. Yeah, it's a lot of area to be in, you know. And and you could hide in there. No one ever goes there. It's like it's just rugged bushland. No one goes into there. When I was younger, I went on a. Uh, I had a mate who was a real, he was a real outdoor guy, and he, he said, "You want to come on site? We're going down to the Cowmont." It's a river, and it's pristine wilderness. It's it's just unbelievable. And you, you 
It's about an eight-hour hike <laughs> to get to this river. Anyway, we did it. We got down there, and there were trout, the huge, biggest trout, just in the, in the... You could see them in the water. The water was so clear. And that night we camped there, and as we're sitting around a campfire, you know, warming ourselves, it's quite cold, there was this almighty sound of something coming down the hill on the opposite bank, and it sounded like either a huge boulder had been rolled down the hill, the hill and was cutting down the trees and knocking them down, or a truck, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, like a mat. That's what it sounded like. And we all stopped talking and just, or all our eyes opened up and we just looked at each other and going, you know, WTF, what the heck? What? You know, what was that? And we, we just couldn't explain it. Yeah. So, you know, there are things you, 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 you experience over you out in the bush and you just, there's no, there's no real explanation. And now it could have been, it could have been a rock. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a real rare thing to happen. It, it, it certainly wasn't a truck because it wasn't wasn't didn't come in the news or anything. Yes, middle of nowhere. Yeah. Strange. And, and another time, I was um, with this guy I used to go shooting with, pig shooting with, and and you know, well, we're out between, not far from Hill End. I don't know if you know Hill End. It's an old gold mining town. It's basically a ghost town now that. We're out in the middle of scrub, middle of nowhere, and we got off the, the dirt road and we just pulled over and we were going to camp there the night. <clears throat> and I'd been a lot of places with this bloke, and he's a pretty solid guy. Anyway, he just came to me. He says, I want to go home. I said, what we just got here? He says, I want to go home. I said, what's the matter? He says, I just got a bad feeling, I want to go home. And he had this overwhelming, uh, uh, like, he couldn't explain it, but he just didn't feel right. He said it's almost like a fear or a dread that he had, that things weren't right. It was so powerful for him. I said, you've got to be crazy. We just flame and drove for like six <laughs> hours to get here. So he just set up. You know, I'm looking forward to going for a shoot tomorrow morning. No, I want to go home now. I want to go home. I want to go home. What's wrong with you? Anyway, I could see he was upset. And all the way home, he did not talk. All the way home. So something really, really upset him. I wonder if he saw something. He may have seen something, but um, he didn't let on to me. He's a bit of a a a quiet guy, but he... I've been... I've known him for... God, since I was about 18. So I've known him for, what, 50 years? Not, not, 50, not nearly 50 years. And he's a solid guy. And it was the most, it was out of character. It was um, the strangest thing. And when I got back home, <laughs> my wife goes, what are you, what, what happened? And I said, oh, he just freaked out on me. You know, we got there and he just wanted to come straight back home. There was nothing out of the ordinary. It was just, um, I mean, there was a bit of smoke from the fire because the, you know, the timber was a bit damp. It's just the strangest thing. And, um, I mean, I've had that feeling a couple of times myself where, uh, but I always push through it. 
you know, you, you feel something's not right, but I usually just push through it. You know, I'm a firm believer you should, you know, you got this, I tell my kids this, this you got these, what, call it a sixth sense or an instinct. And my wife's a firm believer in it too. The little voice in your head says, this doesn't feel right. It probably isn't right. You yeah. know, and yeah, I agree. get out or don't do it, yeah. Well, Brunton, it's been great having you on the show, mate. Those encounters on your farm are absolutely fascinating. And the fact that you're still on that farm, I think it's great. And I, I reckon you're, you're due for a couple more, uh, run-ins with this, uh, this rogue yowie that's, uh, escaping out your, your property, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no, no harm has come so far. So, uh, yeah. As long as that stays that way. Yeah. I think they're, they're part of our landscape. And um, they deserve to be just like any other creature. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au. Or you can message me on Facebook. And that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe. And you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio.